Hey, welcome back to a local church podcast. I'm Pastor Ryan. This is Noah Gartman. Let's get to it. Psalm 9. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. And he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made, in the net that they hid. Their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. Selah. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Selah. Thanks, Noah. Yeah. Hey, so that was Psalm 9. We've been walking through the Psalms. Uh, this, again, is another psalm of David, and he's praising God. He's recounting the things of God. Uh, he's even talking about God's judgment, his justice. Um, I really like a couple things. Can I, I'm going to pull out a couple things, and then you can pull out a couple things. Absolutely. Uh, the first thing uh, is the first two verses, right? Uh, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Uh, I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. So this is almost like the journal again, right? So this is a personal praise to God, uh, remembering or recounting all of his wonderful deeds. But it also could be seen or read as a public display of the exaltation of a heavenly father, right? Who has done wonderful things, not only in the life of David, but in the life of uh, Israel, or in the life of believers today. Uh, but then the very end, uh, it says in verse 20, uh, He's asking God to put fear in the hearts of men, right? Those uh, who are wicked, those who are oppose, uh, oppose God. But he says, let the nations know that they are but men, right? I think this is huge, and we're going to kind of get into this a little bit later. Uh, but those are a couple of the things that I really like about this psalm. 
the personality of it and also the public display um, that we can see in it um, with that. So what do you think? What do you got for it? So I'm not, and then we'll jump into more more of this. Man, uh, you just pulled out everything um, <laughs> that I was going to say. But yeah, I, I find it interesting. If you uh, read through this psalm, you see God has revealed who he is. God has um, revealed what he has done. That last verse, of, of course, says, Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Um, so we kind of see that throughout the psalm. But we also see the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, um, a stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps um, those who um, are, are poor, those who are weak, um, those who rely on him. Um, so, yeah. I like that. <laughs> uh, it's it's really good because it's it's interesting. I really want to look at the recounting uh, of your ways, right? So David is he's obviously a man after God's own heart. He's been set apart by God. He's been anointed by God to be king uh, over Israel. He's he's writing these psalms as like a personal journal. And so so we see the highs of the highs of being a man of God, and we see the lows of the lows of being a man of God throughout the psalms. Um, but I want to talk about something particular uh, starting out is when we, as believers, those who have placed their faith in Jesus, uh, live our lives, uh, we are called to share the gospel, right? Or to share the good news with the people we work with, people in our family, the people we meet, all that kind of stuff. But we get a little squeamish when we say, okay, how do we do that, right? And, and a lot of people get nervous on how do we share the gospel? How do we share our faith? Uh, we often see people on the side of the roads with a big banner saying, you know, the end is nigh, uh, repent and return to God, right? And we're like, I don't want to do that. Uh, but then we also go to the extreme and say, well, that's what my pastor's for, right? He's supposed to share the gospel, not so much me. You got anything to add before we kind of move into this? Yeah, as far as just basic principles for sharing your testimony? Sure. Yeah, so um, I kind of say uh, three, there are kind of three basic principles for um, that we should understand as we go and share a testimony with others um, in sharing the gospel with others. First of all, uh, your testimony is not the gospel, right? Um, but rather, your testimony is the story of how the good news of the gospel has changed your life. Um, so you can share your life story without sharing the gospel, right? Without sharing the message of um, God's holiness, man's failure, um, Christ saving work and um, how we should respond to that. Right. All right so, so that's number one, right? Yeah. So number one, uh, what was the first principle? Sorry, say it again for everybody. First to hear. principle <laughs> is um, your testimony is not the same as the gospel. All right. So we'll pause there and then we'll jump into two and three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but number one, your, your testimony is not is not the gospel, right? Um, and so let's talk about just unpack this a little bit. Does our testimony or does my testimony as a believer? lead someone to investigate more in the gospel does it water anything like does it yeah. help the plant begin to start blossoming and growing right can god use my testimony even if i don't use all the theological terms and things of the gospel how, how what was your response to that yeah i would just say um as kind of a practical response to that it's important for us to um sort of write out our testimony right and we can read it ourselves and say, hey, am I communicating the gospel message um, through my testimony? Or am I just talking about some experiences that I had? Right? Yeah. Um, 
So that's what I would kind of say. I would also say in sharing your testimony, um, use scripture, right? Uh, memorize scripture. Use it as you share your testimony. Okay. Um, my favorite verse of all time is Romans 8, 1. Um, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I love using that verse when I share my testimony. Yeah. Because um, it's short. It communicates the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's the word of God that changes hearts. Yeah. So so back to the, the question. I'm uh, sorry. You're, you're being a politician here, right? I'm sorry. Uh, go, you can go can, back. No. Can my testimony lead people to want to hear more about the gospel? Yes. Does my testimony have to have all the ins and outs of the gospel for me to be able to share it? That's the question, right? So this we may differ on this part, but but what do you, what go to uh, you know your your learning, your training, you know your leading that God has on your life? What do you Noah say to someone who says, "Well, my testimony it may not have all the important parts of the gospel, but can I still share it? Should I still share it?" And I'll give you my answer after you. Oh man. So I want you. I want so you, can I share my testimony without explicitly sharing the gospel? Is the question. Yeah. So does my testimony have to have all the dots across, uh, dotted, and the the T's crossed to be a seminary type mm. testimony, right? Okay. Or can my testimony Here. be? Here's what God has done in my life, right? Does that work? Does that? Because because I'm afraid if we just say. I'll just go ahead and give my answer, and then then you can because I see the I will see the wheels turning. I want to right. I so here's give the thing. My answer. Okay, we'll give your answer okay, first. I'm and I'll give my answer. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Um, I think it all goes back to what is the purpose of sharing our testimony, right? Is it just to tell someone a cool story, um, and entertain, or is it to point um, another human being to the saving truth of the gospel message, right? Hey, yeah. So that they might too come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So I would say in sharing your testimony, um, you should communicate the gospel through your testimony. I think it is possible to share your testimony without explicitly sharing the gospel, and God can use that as well there you to go. There's, others. Yeah. But um, I would just encourage all believers, share your testimony, but don't forget to share the gospel through your testimony. Nice. Okay, so that's good. Um, context matters, right? Okay. So how and which or where we share our testimony, right? That's probably a part of it. If I'm sharing my testimony in front of a congregation, yeah. I should probably really be interlaced with the word of God, right? Scripture. It should be evident that I understand the gospel because I'm sharing that with folks uh on a on a grander scale. Now, if I'm one on one, like say Noah and Ryan are talking at a coffee shop and may, we may not know each other a lot, right? We may just met, you know, a few days ago or a few weeks ago. I may not have that open door uh, in your heart to share all there is to share about the good news. It, I think the testimony, it depends on how you view testimony, right? But I think that story, like, hey, here's my story, right? When you're trying to get to know someone, I think that opens the door to deeper theological topics or, or discussion. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. but Just different angles. We can both kind of agree on that first principle, I hope. Yes, that- your testimony is not the gospel, but rather it's a vessel through which we can Ooh, share the gospel. I like that. It points us to the gospel, right? Yeah. It points us to what's the bigger story, right? Absolutely. What's the greater story? You okay. ready for principle number two? Yeah, so that's number one. Number one, your testimony sh- is not the gospel. All right, number two principle. Number two is your testimony is not about you. It's not Ooh, wait, first wait, and wait. foremost. 
Oh, that was good. That was rewind, right? Number two is what? Your testimony's not about you. Wait, no. So I'm sharing my story. It's yeah. my testimony. This is my story. This is my song, right? So Preaching what do you mean by this? All the day long. So what do you mean by this? Yeah. Okay. So obviously, um, our testimony is our story, right? Um, but we are not sharing our testimony to point to the good things that we have done um, or the ways that we have changed our lives, right? So I've heard um, students share their testimony. I've heard, oh my gosh, countless student testimonies just in working with youth and working um, with mission organizations, um, summer camps, stuff like that. And I've heard a lot of testimonies where it is like brag central, right? <laughs> Humble brag. Yeah. So, you know, I I grew up in church and I never really was that bad of a sinner. Um, I never like did drugs or drank alcohol or, you know, had sex before marriage. I never did any of that. Um, but one day I just decided it's the right thing to do and be baptized. Um, but anyways, in high school, I got a 4.0 GPA and I got a full ride to college. Um, praise God for that, I guess. But I got a full ride to college and then I graduated top of my class. Um, and now I'm just living my best life. Wow. <laughs> I've heard, yeah. like, I've heard people share their testimonies and yeah. that was it. Yeah. That's like all about that person. Right. Yeah, so, or even like I mean, I, sorry, I'm going to jump in. Or even like you know, you see like a lot of athletes do this, or even yes. like actors or when they accept an award, it's like, hey man, God is good for giving me this award. You know, it, shout out to all my peeps. That but, kind of thing. It's, but it's, it's me. It's, it's very you. shallow, right? Yeah. It's very not very deep. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I always like to share with students and just with fellow believers that your testimony, you're not sharing your testimony to brag on yourself or cause others to respond in praising you yeah right yeah um if you are sharing your testimony for that reason you're doing it for the wrong reason right you should be sharing your testimony to point others to who god is and what he has done in your life nice i like it so number one your testimony is not the gospel but should be used to share the gospel nice the vessel yeah number two Uh, number two your testimony is first and foremost not about you but what uh but it's about what God has done in your life. Okay. And um, number three. Number three. It's just kind of about the the nature and the structure of a testimony. There are three main parts to every testimony, right? Okay. Um, uh, oh, ooh, beginning, middle, end. Eh, I guess. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Um, so first part is before Christ. Okay. Um, and this is the one I found that either kind of gets pushed down and we really don't like to talk about it, or it gets lifted up, and it's almost like that's all we want to talk about, and then just throw, but I'm not that same person anymore. There at the end, right? Okay. okay. Um, so there's kind of a balance in sharing the testimony. But part number one, before Christ, um, you can look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. It kind of gives us gives us this, this structure, right? Um, before Christ, dead in our trespasses and sins. Um, but second part is how we came to believe the gospel and trust in Jesus Christ as our savior, yep. right? Um, how did you hear the gospel message? How did you come to understand and believe that, right? Um, the spirits work in your heart um, to transform you, right? Yeah. Um, so that's that's the second part. Um, and then the, the third part is um, kind of life in Christ, right? So before Christ, um, 
coming to know Christ and life in Christ, right? Yeah, yeah. So how has your life changed since uh, before Christ, right? If your life hasn't changed in any way, then you need to reflect on that because Scripture tells us that in Christ we are a new creation, right? Yeah. Um, so, and like I said, there is a certain balance that we're trying to achieve in our testimony. Um, we're not trying to talk, you know, 10 minutes about who we were before Jesus and all the sinful things we did and then just throw like 30 seconds in on the end like, yeah, but then I heard the gospel and I've, I've been good since, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then on the other end of that spectrum, we're not trying to just be like, yeah, I was a sinner. Anyways, then I heard this sermon <laughs> and the gospel and it changed my life and listened to all the good things I've done since then. Ooh, right? nice. Yeah, yeah. So there's kind of this balance that you have to achieve. Yeah. So testimonies, right? So you got the three principles. What are our three principles again? Uh, before Christ, um, I'm going to say encounter with Christ and then life in Christ. So that's, that's, that's the three under the third principle, the overarching principle. So the big one is your testimony is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. It's a vessel, a tool given to you by God to share the gospel. Yep. And number two. Number two, testimony is first and foremost not about you. It's about God. Mm -hmm. And number three, um, those three kind of structural elements. So if you have any more questions, make sure you go to NoahGartland.com. No, that's uh, not <laughs> a website. Is there a website, NoahGartland.com? I think that would be cool. Um, I'm going to look it up Yeah, now. look that up, and I'll move into the next uh, part of this. So we've been walking through the nine marks of a healthy church. This is a book by Mark Dever. Um, it is put out by Nine Marks, and we are on the fifth chapter. It's the chapter that nobody wants to talk about. Uh, it is biblical church discipline. No, you got an update on NoahGarland.com? Yeah, it's not a website. Okay. Um, so you could probably check that, that out. Domain, yeah. yeah. Uh, so church <laughs> discipline, right? Uh, let's just start with this. I'm not going to read a a, a a section out of it yet. But when I say church discipline, or anybody says church discipline, Noah, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about, or what do people think we're talking about? <laughs> uh, let's start with what, what people think, right, we're talking about, and then go into what it actually is. Yeah, I think when people hear church discipline, they imagine, like, a nun slapping you on the wrist, like, <laughs> don't do that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, like, kind of some time out, or even, like, you know what, you're kicked out of our church, never Ooh, come back again. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't be a part of our club. I think that's what people kind of, those are the initial thoughts. Almost like judgy. Things. Yes. Right? Like, hey, you're just, we're just yes. judging everybody. We're, we're better just... than you. You're a sinner. Yeah. Get away from us. Okay. So that's what people think. Yeah. What is it actually talking about? Yeah. Um. So the church, get this, Pastor Ryan. Okay. Um, should look different from the world. Oh, nice. Would you agree with that statement? I agree. Um, the church should look different from the world. Why? Well, that kind of gets to the heart of what is a church. Yeah. Um, the church is a body of believers, people who have been transformed by the gospel. Like we said just a minute ago, um, people who are new creations, not because of anything that they did, but because of God's work in their life. Um, therefore, a body of believers should look different than the rest of the world. Absolutely. And if this body of believers is taking God's call, living in obedience to God, um, if they're taking that seriously, um, then um, I'm going to use a quote from good old Michael Lawrence, who wrote the Nine Marks book on conversion. Nice. Um, not the book on church discipline. <laughs> yeah. but it's still a good quote. He says, taking holiness seriously as a church means 
practicing corrective church discipline, right? Yeah. So if we're serious, uh, taking seriously um, living life together in obedience to God, um, then we should be committed to walking with one another and helping each other live obedient lives. Yeah, I think God. that's I think that's key, right? We're helping each other, right? We're it come so let let's just talk about like just you know the church discipline. It sounds like it's going to come off, you know, we're just judging each other and we're always putting each other down, uh, but that is not the that's not the case. That's not the goal of church discipline, right? Um, and you hear so many you know horror stories about like churches voting members out because of church discipline. Now that's the extreme, uh, right? But like, let's just say that I, well, it might be a bad example, but let's say I fall into just addiction uh, as the pastor, right? Now there's all kinds of other things that would go on with that, but say I'm just a member, which I, I am a member of the church, but let's say I fall into some type of addiction, right? I would hope that my church family notices, uh, but be helps me walk through that right yeah. not calls me out and say hey bro you're not a part of our church anymore but like hey bro we're here for you let's walk through this together let's get out of this right let's point me back to jesus right i think that's kind of what church discipline should be about yeah I mean, absolutely but, but we we think the opposite usually the goal here's the thing a lot of people assume the goal of church discipline is um separation right yeah like the goal is to catch the sinner and send them away yeah. That's not the goal. The biblical goal for church discipline is reconciliation. Yeah, there you go. Right? Uh, you can look at Matthew 18. Uh, uh, Jesus himself yeah. uh, says, hey, if someone's sinning, go to him, right? Uh, one if on he, one. If he doesn't repent, take another brother or two or three, right? Doesn't repent, then you take him before the church, right? Now, so that's the extreme. But after the one or two, after the visit, I think, you know, just visiting just members, you know, the last couple of weeks, they just want people to come and hang out, right? Yeah. Especially the person in sin. What we usually do when we sin and we know we're sinning is what we'll, we isolate ourselves, right? We don't go to church. We don't do. And hopefully the church notices that, right? And, yeah. and part of the word discipline throws us off, but it's church love. It's church practice, right? Um, encouragement, support, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the goal of church discipline is reconciliation, right? Yeah, to bring, bring your brothers and sisters back. Yes, yeah. bring a brother or sister back. And I think what Jesus is saying in that passage is that is the goal. And we should do everything in our power, right? We should go one-on-one. -on -one. We should go with the group. We should bring them before the church. Everything that we can possibly do to bring them back, to um, bring them back as a brother or sister, back to the local church. Um, yeah. But we also have to take into consideration how that teaching ends. Oh, yeah. Right? And what is the what is the last thing? Treat them as an unbeliever. Oh, nice, yeah. Right? That's what Jesus says. If I said nice, but that's not nice, that's but yeah. That's not nice. But if if reconciliation is not possible, right? If you've done everything yeah. you can do to bring a brother or sister back, right? Treat them as an unbeliever. Now that's where that's where things get icky and people that's, are like, whoa, whoa, church yeah, discipline, it, it, what? It's hardcore. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's uh, it's tough. And I hope and I pray that I, we never get to that point here at our church. Um, but if the goal is reconciliation, I mean, let's let's just let's stop. I was going to read the I'll get to this in a second. But if we understand Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount, like, hey, before you move, remove a speck, mm -hmm. take the log or the plank out of your own eye, right? Yeah. 
And so if we understood what it meant to follow Jesus, to repent daily, uh, to uh, give up our selfish desires on the daily, right? To follow him in obedience, to die to ourselves on the daily, take up a cross, an instrument of death, and follow Jesus who gives life. Um, the importance of like, I, it's not it's not just me trying to look out for my brother's sin. Like I try to find sin everywhere I see, you know, my neighbor. But it's like if I see my own sin, and I know how desperately in need I am of Jesus in my life, I would hope that I would I would reciprocate that to my neighbor uh, when I see my brother or sister, you know, falling, um, and not just say, "Yep, they're bad," and then kind of move on. You know, I mean, it's, it's just it's so important that we understand the sin in our own life before we go to our brother and sister and say, hey, let me help you out of this. Right? Yeah, and how do, how do we evaluate ourselves? How do we um, find sin in our own life? I would say two things. First of all, we use Scripture, or we have Scripture as kind of a mirror, right? Yep. Um, where we can see, am I living how God has called me to live, right? Um, what am I doing wrong? Reading the Word of God, it convicts you, right? Through the Holy Spirit, you are convicted, and you feel um, the need to repent, uh, the need to confess sin, um, the need to live in obedience to God. That's one thing. Second of all, um, in Psalm 139, David prays, um, search me, O God, and know my heart. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Let me know if there's anything within me, in my heart, that grieves you, right, that is against you. So we can also pray that prayer, God, reveal my own sin to me. We should be praying that prayer daily. Reveal yeah. my sin to me yeah. so that I can turn. So those are two things. But I heard this analogy recently. I kind of want to get your opinion on it. Okay, bring it. Um, most people look in the mirror every day, right? Okay. Do you look in the mirror every day? I do, unfortunately. I, I look in the mirror every day. And most of the time, I kind of see the same thing, right? Okay. I kind of brush my hair the same way every day, kind of check to see if I have any boogies in my nose, that sort of thing. Nice. Um, but really, I... It's not like I notice something new about myself every day. Like, oh, look, yeah. there's a, I don't know. Wait till you get freckle. 40. Wait till you get 40. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I kind of see the same things every day. Yep. Um, but there are some things that we don't notice when we look at ourselves in the mirror that someone else might notice. Hey, Noah, you got a little something hanging. Yeah. Hey, Noah, you got uh, some food in your beard. Nice. That's when I get a lot. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I can look at the mirror and not notice the food in my beard. Yeah, it's not until someone kindly, gently, hopefully they're not announcing it in front of an entire party, right? Yeah, yeah. But comes to me and says, "Hey, um, get a little something in your beard, right?" Um, like they notice something that I didn't even notice in looking at myself. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I heard this analogy used uh, to show our need for accountability. Yeah. Right? Well, we often look at ourselves in a brighter light than what. Oh yeah. Than what we're actually. We shining. got that selfie ring yeah. light. In yeah. Front of us. And that, that's the thing. Like, what I mean, think about funerals, right? When, yeah. when we bury someone, we don't bring up the bad stuff, mm-hmm. and we often, uh, not just project the good things. We amplify how good this person was, right? Um, but we we do that with ourselves as we're living. Yeah. Like I'm not as bad as that person, right? I, my marriage isn't as bad as their marriage, right? Or I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm 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 okay. Uh, but when we really start to look at ourselves in light of Scripture, in light of the calling that God has on our lives, uh, it's worthless rags. You know, we need Jesus. We need each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, for help. But I want to read the the last kind of almost almost the last paragraph. 
of this chapter. Uh, this is, right, biblical church discipline. That's what we're talking about. And he says, our lives should back up our profession of faith. Mm. We need to love each other. We need to hold each other accountable because all of us will have times when our flesh wants to go in a way different than what God has revealed in Scripture. Right? Everybody does yeah. that, right? Uh, and part of the way that we love each other is be by being honest and establishing relationships with each other and speaking in love to each other. We need to love each other, and we need to love those outside our church whom our witness affects. And we need to love God, who is holy and who calls us to not bear his name in vain, but to be holy as he is holy. And that's a tremendous privilege and a great responsibility. Yeah. Right? We don't hear that when we talk about church discipline, right? It's loving to discipline our children. Like when my daughter or my son messes up, if I just let it go, I'm unloving, <laughs> right, uh, in a sense. But if I discipline them and point them in the right direction, point them back to Jesus, it's a loving thing. Yeah. Um, we need accountability, right? We need brothers and sisters who are going to be honest with us. Um, hey, I noticed this about you. The classic example is the middle school boy who just reeks, right? Smells like body odor. Yeah. What's the loving thing to do? Let him keep stinking and talk <laughs> about him behind his back? No. Or pull him aside one-on-one -on -one and say, hey, dude, um, you stink. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some deodorant. Like, let's talk about, you know, taking showers. <laughs> let's yeah. talk about... Yeah. Uh, how to take care of yourself so that you don't stink in the future because I don't want people to talk bad about you behind your back and yeah. I don't want you to stink. Yeah. I mean, think about just the, the testimony of the church. We've been talking about testimonies, right? What is the church portraying if we never hold each other accountable? Yeah. And the community begins to see the pastor, right, uh, who's deep in addiction. The church or the, the community is going to say they're a bunch of what? Hypocrites, right? Yeah. They say one thing, but they're living their life in another way, right? The testimony that the church has is that we are different. We love each other and in the way that we hold each other accountable, right? God has called us to something greater uh, than, than what our selfish desires want. I was going to say, the church that fails to practice biblical church discipline is like a room full of middle school boys who all smell like body <laughs> odor, and they're all talking about each other behind their back. Shh. <laughs> Sheesh, Noah. Uh, right? so. But people outside that room can smell it. Yeah, it's right? true. It's true. And they can hear you talking about each other's stink, but they know you stink. That's, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so so the end of the Psalm 9, right? We're going to go all the way back to Psalm 9. Oh, right? yeah. It's all, it's all going back. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. And so our testimony as a church is a testimony to the community, a testimony to the nations, right? Think mm -hmm. about Genesis. God created Adam and Eve, and he says what to them? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the, the earth, earth, right? After the flood, he talks to Noah and his family. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And Genesis chapter 12, he says to Abraham, hey, I'm going to make <laughs> your name great, and your family is going to fill the earth so that all the nations will be blessed, right? The, and the book of Revelation, all the nations, tribes, tongues, and languages will be shouting and praising the name of Jesus, Um it's about the nations, and so we start small, our personal testimony. We go to the church, right? Church discipline, the church's testimony to the community that they, they find themselves in, mm -hmm. but then also to the nations. What's going on in our nations? It's on the news every day for the last couple of weeks, and it's almost like this soap opera playing out 
uh, and we sometimes we feel helpless. What's the big thing? Russia and Ukraine. Putin be Putin, right? Putin be Putin. Uh, Putin is still doing uh, the thing, Man. and Ukraine, it seems like they're getting the brunt of all of it. You see, uh, uh, I mean, Poland has taken over a million refugees uh, from Ukraine. Now food has been cut off. Uh, energy has been cut off. Uh, the I think a lot of the NATO nations are providing weapons and resources to the military there. And we're upset the gas is four twenty five. Yeah, right we're supposed to say, hey, the gas is four dollars. Uh, I'm afraid it's only going to go up from there. From here, I mean, uh, just we're not going to get into the politics <laughs> the, of, of it. But our administration has made decisions, but well before this, uh, that we've started to see inflation before this. But now it seems like Russia is to blame. Uh, it's really not our decisions, right? Are our fault, right? There are the consequences for decisions that we make. But for the local church, right? This is our podcast, a local church podcast. And we see this play on the news. What can be our testimony to the nations? Like, how can we help the people in Ukraine? How can we help the people in Russia, right? That have nothing to do with this. So what are some things that you can think of right now on how we can help, right? Sometimes we feel helpless when we watch the news. Yeah. Things like that. I think the number one thing you said last week or a couple weeks ago. Um, pray. Yeah, pray. Pray is the big one. Also, just pray for Ukraine. Um you know, in your personal prayer time, but also gather as a local body of believers and pray together. Yeah, I, th- I think that's like standing in solidarity with the universal church, the yeah. church around the world that places their faith in Christ are all praying. Almost like uh, the yeah. the Holy Catholic Church. <laughs> little C. <laughs> it's a little C Catholic, universal, right? <laughs> uh, so all believers should be praying for all believers uh, everywhere at all times, not yeah. just when things go bad. Uh, but I saw something on, uh, I think it was a local news uh, thing that people are purchasing Airbnb in Ukraine. Now, knowing they're never going to go over there and, and take advantage of the, 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 the uh, I guess, the, the scheduling of their you know, vacation. Uh, but a lot of folks are scheduling these Airbnbs, and that money goes directly to the people that are affected by what's going on over there. Well, that was a pretty clever uh, thing to do. I know Samaritan's Purse. Uh, right, uh, send relief uh, through International Mission Board. Uh, all those kind of uh, organizations, from the Baptist perspective, uh, are providing tons of food and resources already. Uh, there are a lot of places that you can go uh, and and just Google like, how can I help? Right, what what, what do they need? Uh, the big one, prayer, obviously prayer. Right. The second thing is, if you have the financial resources um, to support the church, to support those who are supporting those in need. Um, that, that that's a good thing to do, right? Uh, but also ask your local church, hey, are we doing anything? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that we're doing? And some church, most churches will say, hey, we're already giving to the our local associations, our state associations, right? Our country, our international, uh, and then those are good things. But uh, there's always things that we can be doing as a local church uh, to support our neighbor, not just here but also abroad. Right on. Yeah. yeah. You got anything else? Did you look any, anything up, Airbnb? I, I was looking Once? at Airbnbs because I honestly did not know that was like an international thing. I thought that was just yeah. a... You can do an Airbnb everywhere. I mean, as crazy. long as you got money. <laughs> there there's some nice ones in Kiev. I yeah. was just looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but a lot of people are doing that. A lot of people are booking those, uh, and that money goes directly to wow. uh, them. But tonight is Wednesday night. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, right? my dudes. <laughs> every, okay. every Wednesday, we put out the podcast. Um, and it's not by chance that we do it. We do it on purpose because it gets folks ready. If you're listening, if you're coming to our church, but also it gets us in the in the mindset of what's happening. So tonight, what time do we meet, Noah? We meet at 
we meet at 6 o'clock p.m. in Conway Hall. That's our fellowship hall right next to our sanctuary. We share a meal together, then around 6.30. Do you know what we're having tonight? Yeah. What? Soup. Ooh, soups. A variety of soups. A variety of soups. I know that there's always the chicken noodle soup, which I'm a fan of. Oh, or the chicken. Miss Rose, if you're ever listening to this podcast, Miss Rose's chicken noodle soup is the bomb. Let me tell you, your wife, Robin Markle, recently shared her chicken corn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the taco chicken thing. Yeah. She shared it with some ladies in the church. They've been making it. (laughs) Um, Oh, man. That was some tortilla chips. Gets me every time. I'm not supposed to have a favorite, but Robin's you're 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 my favorite, you know, soup maker. Oh. So but Okay. It's not Valentine's Day, but hey, it's it's always Valentine's Day in in our marriage. You know who my <laughs> favorite soup maker is of who, all time? Who? Jacob. <laughs> nice. I think Esau would agree with me. Ooh, nice. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That's uh that deserves an RC Sprawl. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> Uh, so there's we have a meal at six o'clock, right? Yeah. We we gather together and we eat as a big family, brothers and sisters in Christ. Even visitors come, uh, and we welcome them and we and we love on them. After that meal, what happens? Uh, yeah, around six thirty, we we split up into children's ministry, student ministry, adult ministry, um, and we have different studies going on. I know the children have been uh, learning about missions and sharing the gospel, which. I find really interesting because you don't find, you know, when you think children's ministry, you think like, okay, let's talk about David and Goliath, right? Let's talk about Noah's Ark. Yeah. I think it's really cool that they're talking about, okay, how can we serve others? How can we show the love of Jesus, the love of God to others? And they're actually doing it, right? Yeah. So they're actually taking taking home little mission things they got to do. But yeah, so that's your children. What's uh, the students? What are the students going through? Students um, this month are wrapping up the gospel of Mark. Nice. um, In our study. Who is Jesus? A study of the Gospel of Mark. Right now we're in Mark chapter 13, which hit the sheesh button again. <laughs> why? <laughs> sheesh. Oh, sheesh. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why Mark 13 is All right, bring it. Mark is jam-packed with a lot of, uh, a lot, right? Um, you're like, oh, it's just kind of, you know, Jesus' teaching, Jesus' miracles. But there's a lot in Mark. It's and, deep, uh, man. It's deep. It is deep. Um, Mark chapter 13. We are talking about signs of the end of the age and the return of Jesus Christ. Nice. Uh, which, <laughs> if you have a red letter Bible and you're looking at Mark chapter 13, it's almost all red letter. Uh, can't even talk. Yeah. Red letters. And it, it plays into kind of what we see on the internet right now. All social media is what's, I mean, the Ukraine-Russia thing is blowing up. It's like, it's the end. The end is near. It's coming. And this is it. This is what's happening. Do you want to hear my hot take? Yeah, yeah. Bring it. For the last 2,000 years, there have been those dudes on the side of the street with signs that say the end is near. Yeah. Right? And people have looked at them and they've said, man, they are crazy. What yeah. are these crazy <laughs> people doing? Here's my hot take, Ryan. Bring it. Acts 2. Pentecost. Nice. Promised Holy Spirit comes down. Um, you know, all this crazy stuff is happening happening with the uh, early believers. Um, outsiders think that they're intoxicated in the middle of the day. Um, then we, we read a sermon in Acts. Yes. Um, and there we kind of see... Mm. 
that's the beginning of the end. My man, my man Peter, right? The the, the guy that's yeah. just like all of us who messes up almost on the daily. He gets up in the power of the Holy Spirit and begins to preach a message, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's Acts chapter two. You need to go read absolutely read but, the read the read the sermon. But uh, he he uses a lot of like good Old Testament passages that if you dig into, they are like so stinking rich. Um, but ever since then, right? Ever since Christ died rose again, ascended into heaven, the promised Holy Spirit um, came to dwell in believers. Ever since then, the end has been near. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. we are living in those days. Um, I was talking with the students. We read the Old Testament. Uh, we can go back and read the Old Testament and be like, man, these people need Jesus to come, right? Yeah. Knowing what Jesus did in the Gospels. Man, these people need Jesus to come. So there's this eager anticipation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Expectation. We're kind of living in same days, right? Christ yeah. has come. Christ has died for our sins. Uh, there is redemption in Him, salvation in Him. But we are eagerly expecting and awaiting a day where Christ will return. Um, so we have something to look forward to, and the entire New Testament points to the fact that that's our hope. Yeah. Our hope is in Christ's return. Yeah, I think that's the that's the perspective that we need to have at, at the local church level. Um, we often try to, we follow people that say, hey, here's my prediction about who the Antichrist is, or here's my prediction about when Jesus is returning, or the end of the world, or Gog and Magog, right? When's the World War III, the, the Armageddon, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and we keep buying the junk, right? We keep, we keep subscribing to it. We keep reading it. We keep watching it. Um, but the focal point should be on Christ, yeah. right? Not on the how bad it's going to get. We should focus on he's coming back. And if he's coming back, what am I doing right, to serve him? What am I doing to worship him? What am I doing to praise him? Yeah. Am I sharing my testimony with those around me? Right? Do they know and understand what my life's all about? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and going back to testimonies, Pastor Ryan, do you know what year I was baptized? Uh <laughs> It wasn't in the 90s because you were born in the 90s. Almost um, not born in I'm, the 90s. I'm going to say mid-2000s. 2012. Boom. I was baptized in 2012. You know why? Why? Because world was going to end. Really? Yeah. So, uh, you know, end of mine. There was a 2012 movie, too. Yeah. That was really so good. All of that sort of stuff. There were dudes on the news who were like, the end is near. Yeah. Jesus is coming back. Yeah. I flipped out my my parents assured me no one knows the date and time right <laughs> yeah, yeah. jesus even says that in mark chapter 13 yeah. they don't know what they're talking about jesus will come back one day um to judge the living and the dead but we don't know when yeah and just that fact that like jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead caused me to evaluate my own life yeah and see man i am a i'm a sinner i'm dead in my trespasses and sins i need jesus's forgiveness I need his righteousness. I need my heart to be changed. Um, I need to be right with God, made right with God. Yeah. So um, heard the gospel, believed, um, confessed my sin, turned to Christ, was baptized. So I say that to say this. Although we don't know yeah. when Christ will return, he will return. That much we can be sure of. Um, we can bank on. God has promised it. I like it. Um, so, are we right with God? How can we be made right with God? Not by anything that we do, 
only through Jesus Christ. Yeah, this kind of plays into. I sent you you a text this past week, this weekend. You did. You're you're doing your D now thing with the students, right? You got away with the students, and I sent you a text, um, and I said, if I were ever get a tattoo, yeah, this this would be the tattoo. That's awesome. Um, and I created a picture. I posted it on the on uh, Pastor Ryan, you know, Facebook. Um, but it has a, a, the Latin phrase on it, right? Uh, and so I want to read this and kind of walk through this before we get to. Um, our words of wisdom, but let's kind of wrap it up with this. Uh, simul justus et peccator, right? Or peccator. Uh, it is a Latin phrase, simul meaning simultaneous, right? Or simultaneously or at the same time, right? Uh, justus is just or righteous. Et is and. That's the e tu brute, right? Et is and. And uh, peccator is sinner. Uh, and so this Latin phrase that Luther came up with, or Luther was uh, famous for, for saying it, uh, simply means simultaneously righteous and sinner. Uh, and it's, that sums up the Christian life. Um, I've been reading through Romans chapter 3 for this upcoming sermon, uh, Sunday morning. Uh, I want to read verse 22, the first part of verse 22 of chapter 3. It says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And the big overarching question for everybody is, how can a just God make a sinner just or justify a sinful person, right? It's a, it's a conundrum that we'll never figure out, except for Paul gives us the answer. He says, it's through faith in Jesus Christ. R.C. Sproul says this. He says, the Christian is someone who is at the very same time righteous and mm. sinner. Yes. How can this be? While we are sinners, we are also righteous in God's sight by virtue of the legal transfer God made by assigning to us the righteousness of Jesus. Yes. If we put our trust, faith in Christ, right? And so this idea of being righteous and sinner at the exact same time only happens with the person who places their faith in Jesus. So when I place my faith and trust in Jesus, he takes my sin upon his shoulders and holds back the wrath of God at the same time giving me the righteousness that he displays through his perfect life uh, and his work on the cross, his resurrection. Um, and so it's a double transfer. It's, it's, like, it's the legal term that R.C. Sproul says is that God declares the sinner righteous if they place their faith in Jesus. So at the same time, righteous and sinner yeah. Um, this is the doctrine of the justification by faith, of course, but it's the good news, right? It's awesome. Real quick. Yeah. Real quick. Um, so I've been reading and listening to a lot of podcasts about cults, about heresy, yeah. about all these sort of things. Um, and one thing that I happened upon recently was this this heresy known as sinless perfectionism. Okay. Right? Um, I never heard it given a name, but I have heard it taught, right? Yeah. When you become a Christian, you are done with sinning. Right? Okay. Oh, yeah. You receive this new nature, and you just stop sinning. Yeah. I, I've had friends who have held to that belief, right? I haven't sinned since I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Or maybe they might even say, I, I mean, I sin every now and then, um, but, like, I rarely sin, right? <laughs> He's, yeah. God has made me just like Jesus in uh -huh. almost every single way yeah. in that I'm done sinning. Um I feel like if you believe, once you place your faith in Jesus Christ, that you will never sin again, you're fooling yourself. Yeah, or if we teach that, right? I mean, if we, I mean, think about what the big movement is in our day and age, progressive Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. 
uh, deconstructing. People that fall under a teaching or sit under a teaching for a long period of time, right, whether it's kids or adults, and they hear the, when I place my faith in Jesus, I'm supposed to be perfect at that moment, right? I'm never going to sin. I'm never going to have sinful desires, something like that. What happens over time if I keep sinning? Either I'm going to, A, be so depressed and say, I'm never going to be good enough for God, mm-hmm. right? Or I'm just going to be, B, because I'm never going to be good enough, I'm going to walk away, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start deconstructing and kind of walk away from it. Yeah. Either and, way, it yeah. leads to a dark yeah, place where you're like, okay, if Christians never sin, yeah. and then what, I what's wrong with I'm me? sinning, <laughs> yeah. then am I in Christ? If I'm not, why not? Yeah. What's keeping me from being in Christ? And, it's, and then you don't tell people yeah. about your sin because you're afraid they're going to label you as yeah. not. Well, if they're supposed, to, if we're all perfect and I'm not, then that means I'm on the out, right? It's yeah. that's horrible. That's a horrible way to live. And I'm afraid a lot of our folks, not just here at our local church, but in the church in general, have this mindset of if I'm not perfect now, God, I'm, I don't deserve God. I don't deserve Jesus. Things like that. I mean, it's 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 a horrible place to be in. Um, but the way that Luther describes it, uh, the big thing about, you know, the, the time of Luther was the reformation. Yeah. The Roman Catholic church said, uh, they agreed that there's righteousness to be had from God, right? God gives us righteousness. Mm-hmm. The Roman Catholic church said, uh, it's, uh, it's faith in Christ. It's Jesus himself. And it's grace that allows the person to have an inward righteousness. Now here's the difference. The Protestant Reformation says the righteousness is all from God himself. He did all the work, right? Jesus is the one who is perfect. The Roman Catholic Church said uh, our idea of justification is the person can be seen as righteous because of their works, mm-hmm. their faith in Jesus, the grace of God. Faith plus works. Uh, yeah, all this, it's Jesus plus works or it's faith plus works, all that kind of thing but that God would one day look down at that person and say, oh, he or she is now righteous. Mm-hmm. Now they're worthy to be with me. If they have any sin in their life, what happens? Well, they go to purgatory, right? And purgatory could last from three years to three million years until their sins have been purged. Um, but the whole idea that Luther, is, as he's reading the book of Romans, is like, wait a minute, it's faith in Jesus, faith alone in Christ alone, right? That's one of the two of the five solas right there. Um, that justification is by faith in Christ alone, and it's his works, not my works, right? That's that's the tattoo I would get, simul justus et peccator. Yeah, it's Latin. Uh, we don't use the word or the, the <laughs> phrase Latin anymore, but um, I really I really do. Um, I'm never going to get a tattoo, but if I were to ever get one, it would be, it would be that one. Uh, I want to finish with this. Um, the doctrine of justification by faith. We are declared to be righteous while we are sinners. Right, even Romans five eight. While we are sinners, Christ or God displayed His love for us in this that Christ died for us. Right, um, it's 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 beautiful message. Uh, it's not because of anything that we have done, self righteousness. Right, it's all because of what Jesus has done, um, and that's the good news of the gospel. So, want to add anything? Take away anything? Uh, so far, I think it's been a good podcast. It has, but I thought it. I, I mean, not to boast, but I thought we had it. Conversation we've had has been really helpful. Uh, so, uh, hey, if you if you're listening to this podcast, I want to do this. If you're listening to this podcast, let us know you're listening to it. Like, like whatever you know uh, platform you're listening to. Hit a like, hit a share, hit a comment. Like, add some comment, comments. subscribe. Yeah, all, all that good stuff. If you have any questions, any topics you want us to talk about, Ooh. leave a comment, share it. You know, get it to us, and we'd love to talk about it. 
If you want to be on the podcast, just let us know. We'll bring you in on a phone call. We'll we'll Bluetooth you. It'll be it'll be awesome. Especially if you are a member or a leader, you know, at Mount Moriah Baptist Church. Yeah, like let us know. Yeah, if you're a leader, we're going to be getting with you uh, in our next leaders meeting. But hey, yeah, let's we now we're coming to a time of words of wisdom. Now, I think I went first last time. Noah, oh. it is your day to go first uh, for the words of wisdom. So. For all the listeners that are out there that are listening, what are your words of wisdom for today, March the 9th? It is Wednesday. What are your words of wisdom? It's March 9th, 2022. <laughs> I'm Noah Gartland. This is a local church podcast. That's what that That's, reminded me of. All right. Yeah. Words of wisdom. Are you ready? I'm ready. My words of wisdom today are take time to take off your phone case and Wipe, 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 sanitize, dust. Oh, you know okay. how much gunk is between your phone case and your phone? I don't want to know. I don't look at it. I mean, I don't, Do it. I ignore it's it insane. on purpose. I took my phone case off the, yesterday, actually, and it was disgusting, all the gunk that's in there. So take your phone case off, check it out, like dust, sanitize, take a Clorox wipe, do something. It's <laughs> nasty. Nice. All right. My words of wisdom. Are you ready? Yes. Mine's going to be a little bit serious. Oh, that's always uh, they're, serious. They're, they're not usually serious, but this one's going to be a little bit serious. Oh, gosh. Uh, as you know, I went to chapel with you on Tuesday, right? Yep. Uh, and the the message was very timely. It was very awesome. It was from the book of Third John. Um, it says when, uh, it, it doesn't say, but the, the message, the overarching message uh, from Dr. Plummer uh, at Southern Seminary says this. That when you face difficult people or difficult things in the church, don't isolate yourself, right? Run to Christian fellowship. Run to Christian community. Because oftentimes when things go wrong or things go a different way than when we think we go, uh, they should go, we kind of hide or we kind of like isolate ourselves. Uh, and it's very unhealthy, right? It's It leads to, to darkness, I guess. Uh, but uh, we should always run to our Christian brothers and sisters uh, because we need that community. Uh, we need that support, right? Uh, or that even accountability that we talked about. Right on. Take advantage of the fellowship you have. Now, this weekend, uh, as we close, it's daylight savings. Is it? Oh, we're springing no, ahead. We're springing ahead no, this weekend. Not. It is. We didn't talk. I oh, purposely did not. It's su Sunday night. Uh, well, uh, Sunday coming into Sunday morning. Uh, but I purposely didn't talk about it because it's depressing, and I kept it towards the end. But it is daylight savings this weekend. It's the worst one. So if you're confused about which one's which. In the spring, we lose an hour, so we have less sleep. Um, it's longer days, but we have less sleep for that one night. So here's my advice. This is also the third word of wisdom: is set it early the night before Saturday night, right, or or, or Friday night. Get an extra hour of sleep Friday night, so that when you roll into Saturday night, you're kind of prepared, you're kind of ready, right? Because uh, there's going to be somebody that's going to come in late on Sunday morning. And they're going to come to life group, but it's actually going to be worship. So don't forget to spring a clock. Spring a clock? Spring your clock. Spring a clock ahead. Uh, it's been a blast. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, don't forget to love God love people. and make disciples.